the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord. In the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. When that teenage girl whose name was Mary went in to see her high school guidance counselor, (laughs) the options where it said career were not Blessed Virgin and were not songwriter. And yet, she pursued a career in music. Her song, like your song, and believe me, whether you had planned for a career in music or not, God today is writing a song in your heart. And that song always begins in the heart. The musical manifestation of life begins with a stirring deep within the soul. And this sacred composition is not dependent on any circumstance in your life. Even in the starkest of conditions, you can compose the sweetest of melodies. Even when you think you are hearing the bleakest of pronouncements, within yourself can arise the trumpeting of the most glorious possibility. The most uncertain unfolding of revelation can reveal within you the most beautiful message ever sung or heard. But that song starts in the heart. 
That's where Mary's song began. Consider her unlikely choice and devastating predicament. A young teenage unmarried girl is told she is with child in a culture where that is an unpardonable sin. And then she's given a defense narrative that no one will believe. Her life in this one instantaneous encounter with a questionable source, are angels real? Went from complicated to complicit in scandal, if not disaster. And she did not whistle a happy tune. But she did open her heart to the possibility. And because of that, this lyrical sort of protest praise him flowed from her lips. A song about God turning her world upside down and then through her and through the birth of her child God was going to turn the whole world right side up eventually the lyrics would all come together in what we now call the Magnificat sung first in the presence of her relative Elizabeth who gave birth to John Jesus cousin she sang that day in Ein Karam, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on his lowly servant and I am blessed. And then she begins to sing of a different world, a world where Christ has come and reshaped and retuned and rewritten everything, a world in which the first or last, the last or first, and all that has previously gone wrong is put back in its right and righteous place. But those powerful lyrics all came from a very simple melodic line, from one simple, consistent, and heartfelt chorus that she sang from deep within herself. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. When you're willing to sing that refrain, from the deepest place within yourself, God is going to begin to write on your heart and through your heart the most transformative lyrics ever composed. And the song always starts in the heart. This initial encounter with Gabriel, this startling revelation of Christmas which is to come, with Mary cast in a leading role, began in a town that is still there. It's called Nazareth in Galilee. And I remember vividly when Sandy and I first traveled together to the Holy Land last December when things were so different. We were often mesmerized and deeply moved by the many images of Mary. And one thing we learned quickly is that there is a big difference in the way that Bethlehem Mary is portrayed, and Jerusalem Mary. Bethlehem Mary is filled with joy. She's always smiling. She's, she's happy because she's given birth to a precious baby boy. Gladness fills her heart. But Jerusalem Mary is portrayed as sad and grieving, and you can see on her face what it feels like for a mom to have a sword pierce her heart as her son is crucified 
sorrow fills her heart. But what about Nazareth, Mary? What about the hometown teenage girl, Mary? How would she be represented in art and song? Would she be hopeful or naive or shocked or incredulous or awed or inspired or surprised? Would this be the obedient, willing servant, Mary, one believing enough to suspend belief? Perhaps this is Mary, the singer, the one who raises her voice to affirm what she feels so deeply within her heart. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. This Thursday, the day before our concert for peace, Christ Episcopal Church in Nazareth, where Mary first got word from Gabriel, where our, fa- our friend, Father Nael, is the pastor, will be hosting their own Christmas concert. It's a concert that they're calling the Angels of Mary. In the spirit of the one who was touched deeply within her heart, the Mariam Foundation will benefit from all the proceeds from that concert, the Mariam Foundation, which operates in Israel and in Palestine and supports cancer patients without any ethnic or religious consideration. If you are sick and suffering and you are in need, the Mariam Foundation will help you. It was established in 2012 by a 22-year-old man in honor of his sister, a Muslim girl who had died of cancer at a very young age because she had no options for quality medical care. Now, when you read the news this week, when you tune in and hear about what's happening in the Holy Land, you are not going to hear anything about the Merriam Foundation or about that Christmas concert in Nazareth. But let me tell you, It is real. It is true. Although perhaps we have to suspend belief for a moment to believe it. I'm so proud of Christ Church in Nazareth. And I will bet you that next Thursday, some forgotten song will become beautiful music for somebody. Some closed heart will be opened. Some hopeless soul will be given hope. So even in our time, in Nazareth, people are listening to angels. People are hearing the call of God to give birth to something unexpected and unlikely and beautiful and hopeful and loving in the midst of the bleakest winter in Nazareth. The angels are going to sing again. And new melodies will proclaim what God is doing. The song always begins in the heart. Howard Thurman, in one of his most moving reflections, Christmas is a season of the heart, writes about what it looks like when Christmas comes into each of our hearts. He writes, the time of forgiveness for injuries past, the sacrament of sharing without balancing the deed, the moment of remembrance of graces forgotten, 
the poem of joy making light the spirit, the sense of renewal restoring the soul, the day of thanksgiving for the goodness of God. Christmas is the season of the heart. That is where the Christmas story begins, in Mary's heart, as she ponders and prays and praises. There's a wonderful Advent litany that I came across this week as I was preparing for today. And I want to share it with you, and I want you to sing it with me. We're going to join our voice with Mary, and we're going to sing, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. So sing that with me. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Now the next few days are going to be ones of celebration, but if you're like me, they're also going to be filled with lots of stress. What a great time to sing every morning. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. How about later in the week when you're traveling with the kids or the grandkids and they're all sitting in the back seat bickering with each other over seat selection? Well, what a great time to sing. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Or what about when it's the day before Christmas Eve and the whole family is coming to your house, but when you gaze upon the kitchen cabinet, you discover that your dog, Rutro, has eaten the entire five-pound tenderloin you ordered from Royers. What a great time to sing. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Or maybe like me and Jeff, you decorated your entire lawn with those light-up Christmas reindeer. Except just before your family arrives, an actual deer shows up to devastate the competition, destroying $1,200 worth of reindeer. That's a good time to sing. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Or what about after midnight on Christmas Eve when you're just about to wrap the presents and you see that the major gift you are giving comes with a giant bag filled with 450 individual pieces <laughs> and a large sign that says modestly, some assembly required. That would be a great time to sing. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. But what about when you're out in the community and you hear somebody show disregard for the poor or disdain for those who are different or who denigrate those who are working for peace, saying that it's impossible? That would be a good time to sing. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. You can sing it out of habit. You can sing it for comfort. You can sing it as a way to enter into your connection with God. You can sing it as a prayer to help you do the things you know God wants you to do, even when you don't feel like doing them. Anytime would be a great time to sing that refrain because when we do, we are showing a willingness to allow the Christ child to be born in our hearts. 
way back in 1906, there was this new carol that appeared in the English hymnal in Britain. It was a carol that were based on the words of a poet about 60 years earlier. Her name was Christina Rossetti. And eventually it became one of the most beloved Christmas carols in all of England, but it did not start out that way. In fact, every literary publication she submitted the poem to rejected her, saying, these words will not stand the test of time. This week I came across a professor at Texas A&M, small school just up the road, you may have heard of it. She is the world's leading authority on Christina Rossetti, believe it or not. And she wrote recently about how important it was during her time for women to find their voice in sacred song. She writes, at a time when women could not be ordained as priests, writing carols was a rare opportunity for women to offer their gifts and to give shape to people's faith. Rossetti was a devout Anglican who had written a number of devotional poems. Now, even though the poem was rejected, later it was put to music and it found its way into the hearts of many. After something becomes a song, they go back to the heart. It's a song that paints a wonderful portrait of what happens when we're able to look beyond the bleakest conditions and find a deeper melody from the heavens and within ourselves. She sings of angels, of a mother who worshiped her baby with the most tender expression, a kiss. In the song, she asked the most important question of the season that any of us can ask as we draw so close to Christmas. What can I give him? If I were a shepherd, I'd give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. But what can I give, what can I give him? I can give him what makes the difference. I can give him the source of my song. I can give him my heart. The song, your song, always starts in the heart. What can I give? 
Mm-hmm.